three, two, one. Good morning. On this show, we try and identify catalysts for the day, catalysts for the week, and longer-term catalysts. Well, we got CPI on Wednesday, PPI on Thursday, Quad Witch on Friday, and the Jewish holiday starting next week. Will it be Sal Rosh Hashanah and buy Yom Kippur? Well, we'll find out. It's Monday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're starting the week out in the green, in the green on the December contract. I hope Dennis and Mitch talked about the rollover. December contract up 15 and a half handles at 45.27. Buck in the red by 39 cents at 104.58. Bonds down three quarters of a point, 118 and 26 30 seconds. Crude down 51 cents at 87 on the nose. Gold up 550, 1948 and a half. Silver, that's in the green by 18.6 cents at 23.36. And Bitcoin down $320 at 25,685. Let's bring on uh, Triple D here. And uh, Triple D, I, I have to start the week out here. Full disclosure, this is not investment advice. This has nothing to do with investing, okay? Uh, I don't like Tesla cars. <laughs> Talk to me. Why? I was in. I was. I was in one last week, and I rode in the front seat, and I rode in the back seat. I don't know. Either I'm just getting fat and uncoordinated, <laughs> but I could. <laughs> I could barely get out of the back seat. Okay, couldn't figure out how to work the AC and the, uh, you know, the uh, climate controls. And then the other thing, too, is the they basically have like an 18-inch monitor or 16-inch monitor, right? I think that's distracting uh, for drivers. But you know what? And Jonas doesn't care, and Tesla's no. not bucks. But have you ever – Have you ever? I like I spent some serious time in that car, and I, 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 I wouldn't buy one. I absolutely would not buy one. How much time have you spent in a Tesla? I've been in uh, a couple. My one friend, uh, Pete, has one. Uh, he's got the, I don't know, I forget all the model numbers, but he's got like the, the fast one there because we were, I drove it and it's fast. I mean, like super fast. It goes zero to 60 in three seconds. So it's fast. I did the whole auto, you know, um, self drive where it's just basically all it is is cruise control. It's a step up on cruise control because it just keeps between the lines. Can't do the corners, can't do certain things. So we're a long ways from full autonomous driving. Uh, but I'm not impressed either, really. I mean, they're not luxurious. But again, maybe it's not, you know, the, the money of a luxurious car. But if you think you're getting this, this car is just going to be like the most luxurious car, the most comfortable car I've ever sat in. You'd be disappointed that way. They're cool because they're quiet. They're silent. They're efficient. I mean, so I guess it is what it is. But if you're comparing it to like a luxurious car, Teslas aren't really luxurious, in my opinion. Okay, one other thing, too, uh, we need to talk about today, and I just um, we can bring Mitch on to talk about it. I mean, it's 9-11 today. Um, we definitely, yeah. yeah, we have to have knowledge that and, uh, you know, think about the people with loss and the implications. Yeah. I know it was a long, a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that day was just the most horrific day, you know, that – I can, you know, probably in my life to think about, you know, from a global perspective, we were just, you know, I remember us being in Detroit, watching the TV, watching, you know, the first tower collapse, still not knowing exactly what was going on, and then seeing the second tower collapse, and like, just 
like in awe of like what was happening and just so sad and awful. And I mean, obviously the market's closed for a week after that. And that was just a terrible time. So, you know, again, to all the people who lost people who they knew in, you know, the terrible disaster, you know, our condolences here It's 22 years later, but you're not forgotten. No. And uh, I can remember we were actually, we were in the office. We, I don't know what we were on like 14th, 15th floor. And we were basically, you know, looking out for planes. Well, you didn't know. Like, I mean, you didn't know if more planes, they had more planes. It was so stressful. Like, and obviously it was just the four planes, but it was just like, you didn't know how many planes they had. Just, uh, just a crazy time, Joel. Money Mitch, you've been pretty, you'd have been pretty young back then. Um, but where is Money Mitch? Let's get he's here in the background, he's coming in here right now. Okay, yeah, where uh, were you in 911? In lovely young buck, fifth grade, fifth Uh, grade, fifth grade. Mitch, you were so young, (laughs) you have your whole life ahead of you. Young Joel is so jealous of you. (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you one thing, man. Can never be young enough, right? I think everybody can enjoy that. So if you're young out there. Uh, it's not about thinking about it as a negative. Use it as a positive, right? And uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that we gained from that moment was togetherness. And I think this country needs some togetherness. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's one thing that I appreciated in that moment. Right. Is, yes, it was such a negative for the whole world, but it actually brought us together as a country. And I think yeah. that if there's anything that this country needs more of is something like that to bring us together we are so much stronger when we work together than working against each other. That's just one thing that I'll say. You're going to make me cry, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch, I mean, too. Yeah, you got to stop here. I well, mean, let's work on. together today <laughs> and see if we can find some stocks to try to make some people some money. So yeah, let's work together here. Chat, let's go. The first story stock of the day. Everybody is talking about Tesla, but I'm going to say the biggest story of this day. It's probably Tesla, but I'm going to go Qualcomm, though, just because, one, I'm a Qualcomm shareholder, but two, is this news kind of comes out of the blue because a lot of people didn't expect Apple to renew the deal with Qualcomm, and they are renewing the deal. So give us the the details here, Mitch, of the Apple-Qualcomm deal. Qualcomm has announced that it will supply Apple with 5G modems for their smartphones through 2026, solidifying their ongoing partnership. This move is expected to have a significant impact on the competitive landscape for the smartphone industry. And Qualcomm popping significantly on this news. Again, the stock has been in the gutter, so it needed some type of vote of confidence or something. There has been concerns that they weren't going to renew the deal. Apple, you know, was maybe going to go somebody else or potentially even work on their own chips. I mean, we've heard lots of rumors over, but again, three more years of Qualcomm. That's very good news for shareholders. I am one of them. Um, it has been a dog here for a long time. Just yep. turn it around. I'll throw it to you, Joel. I mean, you had good support down at 104, 105. You get the nice yeah. bounce here this morning. It's huge news. I mean, you don't get a better customer than Apple. So, I mean, it's huge news fundamentally for the company. I'm actually, it's coming in here quite a bit here right now. I, yeah, I, I'm Dennis. disappointed that it's only up this much. <laughs> yeah, a little part of me right now is like, ooh, should I go buying it right now in this pool? Kind bench? of me, I think, in that too, but I have, I have shares already. But part of me, again, though, it's just a stock that's been in the gutter. So sometimes it takes a long time to turn these around. There's been no stock really, you know, you look at a lot of the chips, they've come back a long ways. Qualcomm here. 190 2022 it's yeah, one it's a Ooh. value one too it's like I, I don't know why it doesn't get any love and you would think off of this this is the most important headline that it would get a lot of love um but it's already giving some of it back and maybe just overhead supply getting in here too pe on qualcomm quite reasonable we're talking about a pe of 11 for yeah. the ford p 11 the current p 13 it's a cheap stock apple customer i guess they just feel there's still competition coming from other places for qualcomm but Man, that stock is pretty cheap. Yeah, I wish I could have been live when uh, we got the news there. It popped in the 115 handle, going to 115.40. And then you look at that gap down day. I'm not sure what happened uh, last week, but you had a big gap to fill uh, in this issue. And actually, the gap fill was lower at 113.63. You had a close that day at 114.68. So, Definitely. uh, So far, the news has been sold into it. If you think this is a buy off this news, 
like to see it hold the top of uh, uh, Thursday's range. That comes in at uh, 110.70. Uh, that would be holding it to fill the gap from yesterday. You got to get a lot lower than that. But you know what I think is really Qualcomm? Like, if you think of Qualcomm, do you think AI? Yeah, I do. I, I do? do, too, oh. but I think the market does not. Yeah, you that's know, the I problem. Think, that's I the think problem. it just does, is not viewed as an AI play at all, and that's why it's gotten no love. And I don't totally understand that. Um Again, you know, from a valuation perspective, it's pretty attractive, but we know, you know, these are cyclical businesses here and, you know, the earnings, if we go into a downturn, obviously very dependent on iPhone. I mean, if people aren't upgrading, then that's a very big issue for Qualcomm. We saw what happened with the, our, the direct iPhone parts suppliers with SWKS and um, Cirrus Logic was another one, CRUS last week and the other one, man, it's too early in the morning on a Monday morning is the big three. Well, AVGO is one too, but there's Cirrus. There is uh, obviously um, Vago, uh, uh, SWKS, and then SWKS. Um, but what's the other one? It's two LITE. big ones. SWKS and... Was it Lumentum? Or was well, that that's one, one too, LIT, but it wasn't the one I was thinking of. It was one actually that got hit pretty good. Chad, help us out here. It's too early in the morning for me. I cannot believe I pair trade these things all the time and it just can't come to me. This is what happens when you get to be 47 years old, Mitch. It's like sometimes you forget your birthday or something. Like you forget things when you're getting old here. Stocks that I've traded for a decade pair trade together, and I just can't come up. SWKS, yeah, we've got SWKS, and we know AVGO, and we know Cirrus Logic. There's another one. There's a big one. Um, and Light's a good one, too. Light's in there, what, too. LIT, but the other one that got hit last ADI. week. ADI. No, it's not it either. As soon as the Micron. chat says, like, oh, well, OLED too, but that's not what I'm thinking of either. There's a lot of Apple parts suppliers here. <laughs> oh, gosh, I got to go Google it. Chat, I thought you'd have my back here. I was going to save myself Cuervo. from Googling. But... Cuervo. Wolf. There you, yeah, there you go. Yeah, QRVO is what I was thinking of. QRVO. Yeah. Yep. Async, thank you very much. That's the one I was thinking of. Couldn't come you, up with You this. win the it's game today. The you get a star. Yeah, I'm getting old. Scar, Joe Rabbit had it too. Yep, there you go. We got you, team. We got you. That's what it's all about. We give you the love. So we're on the, the whole up. Apple parts. I mean, Qualcomm, again, this is a big move for the stock. It's over, got overhead supply. That's probably the issue. I still think there's value down here for Qualcomm, though. And I think if you're buying in, in this you know, 107, 108, 109 area, I think right. long term you're going to be happy. But if we're going to a downturn, maybe not. And again, we have an Apple event, which maybe we should segue into that. Before we get into the Tesla, because we're talking Apple a lot here, we do have Mitch, Money Mitch. You've been talking about this in the show last week. We got the unveiling of the iPhone 15 coming here tomorrow. Do we know what time? Uh, it's usually time like one o'clock. Yeah, it's usually. Well, I'll give you time in a second. I can look that up okay. in a second. Uh, of course, it is going to be coming tomorrow. So definitely stay tuned. We'll get the new iPhone. But who knows? Maybe we can get something else. Um, they did call it the Wonderlust. Uh, event and some people are kind of uh, speculating that that has to do with colors, separate new colors that are coming out for the iPhone. I don't know how much sexier that makes it, but hey, if you want maybe a blue uh, iPhone, you might be able to get that next time. I don't know. What are the Did real I innovations? And I've been arguing this against Apple here for a while here and why it shouldn't trade with a PE of 30 because their innovations are they make the camera better. They make the phone, you know, different color. I mean, what real innovation from the iPhone 15? And let's just stay within the iPhone family because they have had no innovations outside the iPhones and the iPads. But what has really changed from iPhone 5 to iPhone, I got a 12 here, to the iPhone 15? The camera's gotten better. We got more memory. What else, really? I mean, I've got some... I, I don't like there's not like this mind boggling like thing the phone can do that the old phones couldn't do. Is there uh, stock buybacks? <laughs> well, we're talking the <laughs> iPhone, though. So, yeah, know, stock buybacks is the That's whole why reason. The stock's gone and th and this and that, that is the reason which we're going to get to. That is the reason the stock has run up so far. That has they've just, you know, obviously they haven't really grown earnings that much. They've grown earnings per share because they continue to buy back so much stock. And the iPhone was such a good cash cow but i, got I keep it. thinking like 30 times earnings for the cash cow i mean i just don't get it i've been tweeting it out it's bounced back here once again you know you're back up here another chance to sell apple 
I feel like this is going to be like the big chance to sell Apple before we get some PE contraction on this puppy. I think the PE contraction is coming for Apple. It's not the the Pro? Get your Vision Pro? Come on. This is, well, this is maybe the AI that there, you know, maybe there is a three, four point of the PE expansion because of this product right here, because this is going to be your AI product, right? What, what do we yeah. say? How much that was? Like $3,000 or something crazy? Yeah, it's like a computer cost. I mean, that's ah, not bad. But it is a computer, essentially. I mean, you want to throw that thing on your head and play video games. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. I um, mean, why not? I'm banning, wait a sec. I got a special service announcement. I am got something? banning iPhones during the show. You cannot use your iPhone during the show. Okay. Uh oh. Uh oh. Following the lead of China. Uh, from last oh. week. Yeah, that's why we're, ban- we're banning iPhones here too. We love you, Chi. <laughs> I-, I download Chinese apps, so you already know what that I think about that. <laughs> All right, let's put a bow on this Apple talk, and we'll just say there's Go. a gap to fill from Wednesday at 181.47. You haven't hit that, but that would fill the gap from that was the obviously on Wednesday is when uh, that news dropped. You had uh, uh, well, actually dropped on Wednesday, filed through on Thursday, made the low of the move in the 175 area. So short-term target on the upside would be that gap filled at 181.47. Mitch, take it to the stock that everybody's talking about today, the stock of the Well, day. everyone's talking about the, the stock, but of course talking about the analyst, of course, Adam Jonas. Stock, uh, I would say uh, Joel's favorite analyst, uh, Morgan Stanley upgrading Tesla to overweight and raising price target to 400 with Annis Adam Jonas predicting a 60% rally. This is something we definitely need to take in a look. Of course, uh, he raised the price target to $400 per share and talked about uh, largely based on Tesla's tech advantage, particularly in in-house design supercomputer dojo which of course runs kind of their fsd um and they're thinking that this could get them all the way up to 500 billion in enterprise value as faster adoption rate for mobility robo taxis and network services um i I think this is a little bit of a reach but hey that's what jonas does that's what jonas does exactly that's what he's known for here i'm trying to think when he the last time we had commentary from jonas i don't know if he had a rating change though with the last commentary um we know i'm just trying to look when he last oh actually no look he did he downgrade the stock recently yes he did yeah what's up he downgraded this in june yes so now he's just completely changed his mind did he comment on why he downgraded it in june and now he's re-upgrading it. This is is this oh, is this correct? June twenty second, I believe he downgraded the stock. Am I you're correct right. here? Or am I wrong? Yes, I think you're right. Okay, so so they made twenty five billion last quarter, and there and he's saying that this is going to bring it up to five hundred billion. Is did I hear that correctly? Yep, five hundred billion. Five hundred. I, 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 he's I, reaching, I, man. <laughs> Can't get my arms around that. I mean, that must be one heck of a computer. Why did he downgrade it in June? I got to go back. I need that note. I need to know why he downgraded it in June. Because here you are, July, August, September. So three months. So was he just completely wrong with his downgrade? Throwing in the towel on his downgrade? Changing his mind? And now coming back and upgrading the stock? Because he lowered his price target to $250 in June and downgraded the stock. Or did he here's, downgrade it just so he could upgrade it three months later? Here's this quote. Here's this quote. Tesla bull Adam Jones says investors need Jonas to wake Jones. up from the AI-fueled dream. Jonas. Uh, so he called it an the, AI-fueled this dream. This was June. Yeah. In June, and, he was calling it an AI-fueled dream. And now he's saying that the supercomputer going is going to bring them to $500 billion. I think somebody's dreaming. We might as well call him the lucid dreamer. What is he doing, though? I mean, is he co- three months ago, he calls the AI dream on Tesla. And now, three months later, he's fully throwing in the towel on that call. Basically, right. did, did he address that he was completely wrong with his call? Because he's throwing in the towel. I mean, and here, and, and again, this just goes to show you people who just look at technicals. And that's it. Miss so much information. Because th- you know what the technical point. analyst will say? 
They'll say, oh, this was setting up. It was like a bull flag. It was going to go no matter what. <laughs> no, it's up $15 today because Adam Jonas upgraded. It's not up because of the chart. So it's up because Adam Jonas upgraded the stock. And again, I love technicals. In the absence of news, it's all you've got. But in when you have news, the direction, and again, you can look at it after the fact news. Where is it going to go? We can always do that. You know, now you see, you know, you start right. thinking about like all these highs in the 270 area because that's where it got to be before. So you can still do technicals. But I mean, you got to combine it all. If you're just starting trading, if you're a new trader, quick educational segment, if you're a new trader and you just want to read a technical analysis book and expect to come in and extract alpha just using technicals and that's it, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle. You got to use everything. Use everything at your disposal. Technicals are a fantastic tool. But it's one tool in the toolbox. You got to have stuff like your Benzinga Pro so you know the news. I mean, Tesla news is everywhere. But you may be trading some obscure stock. You may be trading something else. You've got to have at least a news source, you know, and, and a reasonable one. You don't have to pay 2500 bucks a month for a Bloomberg. But you've got to have a reasonable news source that gets you the information in a timely matter. So you've got to have technicals. You've got to have, you know, an understanding of fundamentals, like what you're buying and what you're not buying. All those things come into play to you know make your trading decision but i'm telling you if you're just looking at a chart and saying oh this is it i only look at technicals there are some excellent technical traders that make their living that way but there's a lot of traders out there that just do not so i've always had the combination approach it's worked for me that's what i'm stressing here is a combination approach news and technicals here's an exact uh, it, quote it's a good it's a good combination of things and uh because when i looked at it this morning because i've been thinking about the strike and I'm like, you know, oh, you know, maybe everyone's going to be buying Teslas because they can't buy GM or Fords. And then, of course, you know, I looked at uh, and I saw the end Jonas News and you got the pop. I mean, you, you got up to I, I would use the pre-market high here. And that's a good level at 66.34. I think it's not only a good level, you know, this morning off the hop, but I just keep an eye on that. The 266 area, it's over halfway back of this big break. So, you know, if your target was 257, then at 263, you're getting six extra points on that one. Uh, the only area with multiple highs, yeah, yeah kind of right there, this 267 to 269, uh, you had three highs back at the end of July in Tesla. So, I don't know, pre-market high looks like a, a real good target for today. Yeah, it's not a, a, that's a really good mention, Joel. Um, but I did want to bring in one more comment that was exactly on that note. He said this, while the market may want to dream on the AI theme, we'd prepare to wake up to the sound of a blaring car horn. Um, and he was calling out Tesla and how they were going to wake up to the AI bubble. Um, and then now he's really, I think, calling the bubble. He's saying they're going to go to 500 billion. I mean, if anything, he flipped on the bubble. He's saying he that flipped, that bubble is about to get inflated. And, and you know what? As a trader, you're allowed to do that. As an analyst, three months later, I guess if you get new information, I guess. But we know Jonas. He always has this bull case and bear case. He loves to hedge himself. So background to Jonas because you're only going to hear, oh, Adam Jonas, huge analyst, Tesla, Morgan Stanley. He is a super bull and a super bear sometimes at the same time because if you read down this note i don't know if it is in there but on his previous notes he's always got a bear case too he's got a ridiculous bull case and then he's always got a bear case too it's he hedges himself so i mean just taking his you know note at face value and saying oh my gosh adam jonas thinks tesla's going to 500 dollars. bye 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 i mean that's what the algos do up six percent on that this could kick start it it has been in the gutter it, it is going to break out the stock here today. So to Spinner's point, technicals do, or, or news does do change technicals in a heartbeat. It makes the technicals look a hell of a lot better. It makes me want to buy dips on it, all because of Adam Jonas. But just remember, you know, that this, this is super bull. He turned, he was bearish <laughs> three months ago. So he could turn bearish again here too. So just, you know, be careful, just flat out chasing. But I do think that this is going to turn the story around the narrative, at least in the short term. Of course, the UAW deal has only a couple of days left. We've been talking about this since July 14th is when I started bringing it up on Ford and GM as a negative outlook. And you guys can see the topping action since then. Now, of course, three days, uh, three days uh, left, right? Three days left. September 14th is when 
of course, the deal will be uh, kind of the, the negotiations will probably end right now. Everybody's kind of leaning towards more looking towards the strike. Right. And I think that we need to keep an eye out for what's going to happen here. We saw an unprecedented with UPS. Right. They got an amazing deal there. Will Ford GM Stellantis save themselves here because uh, a strike? I don't think they can afford it here. We'll see what happens. And and here, so we've got the strike, obviously, and they're talking about a forty percent increase here, Joel. Like I mean, uh, yeah, it's not yeah. even four like four day. It's work forty. Weeks. So the average. So so <laughs> analyst was on CNBC this morning. I'm just taking there. I don't remember who it was, but sixty six dollars yeah. an hour is what they, with all the benefits and everything, was saying what they're currently making. is saying it's going to put it well over $100 an hour. I mean, I don't know if those numbers are correct. That sounds high to me. But in any regard here, a lot of these people make a lot of money already. So, and again, I don't know if those numbers are right. But here was a tweet that I retweeted over the weekend. I'm just going to go try to find it here. You could probably find it here too, Mitch. But it was a good one. I'm just going into Here's at least what they're requesting. So they're requesting a 46%. Yeah, show us that. There includes a 46% pay raise. A, a 36% pay raise. Who the hell gets a 46% pay raise? Inflation I don't know about stuff. you guys. I want to go work for this. I, I'm about I want to a 46%, go over there. Benson, I want a 46% pay raise. I want, you know, right now. Let's no, no, go. no. That's not only yeah, it. You said, you said 4.6, right? 4.6 or 0.46. It's on the screen. Yeah, 4.6 and, and, and sounds reasonable. 46 do you, know, do you realize, to Plasma's point, Tesla is killing them on Don't everything. Don't forget, though. And now you want their expenses to go up 46%. So they said Tesla's equivalent on all-in is $44 an hour, this analyst said this morning. And the automotive, the GM and Ford are already at 66 It's already 50% higher on reimbursing their employees, you know, over what Musk is paying. Now they want a 32-hour work. I'm just reading this, Mitch. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking over, but I'm so flabbergasted what the ask here is. A 32-hour work week with 40 hours of pay. So they want an extra eight hours of free pay and a 46% pay yeah. raise. Holy so macro, what's the man. big problem here? We've talked about this, right? It's that they're shifting into EVs, right? And these EV factories, they don't work on the margins that the gas-powered vehicles do. And so this is the real battle here. So if we're moving to this whole new generation of EV building vehicles, right? Well, they can't, they don't have the same margins that they had on those gas powered vehicles. So if they do this raise for 46%, they're destroying those margins on those factories. So what these companies are trying to battle for, especially for GM and Stellantis, they're trying to battle that there's different pricing for those EV builders than there is for the gas powered builders. So there's kind of like this battle, but they're saying, no, it's the same thing. We should be labored with also the EV factories also, and they should see that raise. So here's the battle right now. And it's all about what? Margins, margins, margins. Look at these uh, charts on these. I mean, obviously I think the way the big money was playing this a while ago was back in July, both for Ford and GM here. You can see where they were anticipating. Uh, to me, these things are, it's instead of like playing it like, oh man, I'm short this and this is gonna be a long strike and everything. I would, I'd be waiting. I'd have my finger cause they gonna settle this thing within a week and these stocks are going to rip and you're going to be like, what? You think they're going to settle this in a week? Yeah. 46% pay hike they want. They're not even close, Joel. Yes, I, Stellantis, I'm going to take, take the over on a week. They let's week. talk about what Solantis has offered. Solantis offered 14.5% raise. Pretty good. Pretty good. No, raise. that's not good. That's not nowhere good for near. 46. <laughs> that's nowhere near, man. You know what he did with it? You want to know exactly what he did with it? He grabbed it on a stream on Facebook. He crumbled it. He grabbed his trash can and went like this. Boop. Right on screen. Oh, he said, this is what girl. I think of your deal. And he it also downed uh, GM and Ford because supposedly they started negotiating just last week. It's like Leon on, says you... it's a 46% raise over four years. Is that yeah, correct? It's, it's over okay. four years. It's over yeah, four years. It's over but... four years. So I think we're really like over like over talking this and over analyzing. No, we're not it. at all. Because I want to. And I don't think it's point. a week. I'm not going to go for a week. But would you at 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 thirty <laughs> at thirty two or thirty three in GM? 
I think if you're like, if you're playing, I mean, you can play it whatever way you want, but 32 supported GM. And when they settle this strike, it's going to pop. Or if they negotiate, there could be like rumors of, oh, well, yeah, they're a little bit closer. The stock's going to pop. Same thing with Ford. I think if you were thinking about the strategy of selling these stocks based on these kind of strikes, you should have been doing it in July. Okay. I don't think now the time after the sell-offs that they've had to be thinking, I think you're missing the trade. I think you got to get past all the all the negotiations. What's going to happen? The, and okay, if it just it's a, if this is going to go on for days, weeks, and months, like you guys think, then you got to short the hell out of this market. You can't buy absolutely every anything. This is going to kill. It was really going to hurt the economy. So if that you know if that's what you think. Then go ahead, short it at, at uh, twelve twenty. Short the market, short everything, because if this is a long drawn out strike, this is going to crush GDP. It's really going to hurt. No, yeah, we're giving too much on the automotives because Jim and Ford have been struggling here for a while. I'm going to show you another stat here, Mitch. I just sent you something um, in, in the background here. I want you to play this. This is from Twitter. It's from Jonathan Smoke, chief economist at Cox Auto- Automotive here. I want to play this and I want to get Joel's commentary on this too, because this absolutely has nothing to do with the strike. This has to do with demand. Can you play this clip, Mitch? Yeah, I got you right now. Um, and then when, when we're done with that, I have an interesting uh, trade outlook that I'd like to ask Dennis on just because yeah. I think he would have a specialty up, up this hand. But let's go so, ahead. So this, this is the video here. I'm going to bring it right now on the screen. Let me put it full screen here for you guys to see it. I would argue at least 50% of the market is is almost completely priced out of being able to buy the way that they uh, traditionally would. Wait, so what do you mean by that? 50% of the market is priced out of the car industry? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you think about retail, uh, the retail vehicle market, it is a financing market. People, Mm -hmm. the the most important number is the monthly payment. And uh, when you look at what the household uh, households in the U.S., the distribution of their incomes, uh, about half can only afford about a $400 payment. And it is really difficult to produce a $400 payment in either the new or the used market today because of the combination of vehicle prices and, and interest rates. I would argue at least 50% of the market is is really priced so, out. So it's people. just a clip. Car dealership guy retweeted that. I saw it on Twitter there. And that is Jonathan Smoke, the chief economist of Cox Automotive. We obviously, you know, have a relationship with Cox Automotive. Um with on, on that that yeah. with yeah. And that is an I want to get her back on to talk about I will. That you know what? I was too, thinking about because that, that is a scary on. comment that he's basically saying that fifty percent of America can't afford a car anyways now because of interest yeah. rates and the cost of the cars. This is only going to drive the cars, cost of the cars higher. If you think that a 46% you know, increase in wages isn't going to drive up the price of the cars farther, you're crazy. They have to pass that through. This is not good news for GM and Ford, none of this. So higher interest rates combined with obviously, even if they get a deal done, the cost of the cars are going to go higher yet again and price more people out of the market. This exactly. is why GM and Ford are in serious trouble here. Not that they're going to start, you know, losing money, but I think you're going to start seeing that EPS on some of these stocks actually start to fall. So this is why I think GM and Ford are both value traps. So I have an interesting trade idea, Dennis. What do you think about short Solantis, long uh, Ford or GM? As, as I, I, like I don't a, like any of them, to be honest. Hey, it's his, trade. <laughs> his trade would be short all three of them. I, I, well, I think is, so. And you know a, what? Maybe you're long Tesla. You know, to Plasma's point, maybe you're just like the valuation, you know, forget about it. But maybe you're just long. They, they're, they're 44 bucks an hour. The 66, they want the extra. I mean, there's just so much more efficiencies. I don't know why. Musk has got it figured out so much better. Not he keeps even cutting to like... prices, Dennis. He keeps cutting prices. That's why they're selling more. So you're right about the margins. I think let's just not look at this uh, from the perspective of Ford and GM. I'm just saying if, if what you guys are saying and or what this Jonathan Smoker is saying, um, then we're in for a world of hurt. Then we're this is like the final nail in the coffin and the recession that everyone's been calling this... for for the last two and a half years. Well, that could happen, but it's not the, the, the automotive industry. The your GM, Ford, and STLA are not a huge part. I mean, they're a huge part of the D. They're a huge part of the Motor City. But when you look at the overall GDP of the economy, it's not like they're running at twenty percent of the economy. We're a technological economy now. We're a service-driven economy. 
things have just changed. So the economy can actually still be robust, even despite GM and Ford. GM and Ford have been struggling for a long time. This isn't something new. You know, this isn't something like, look at the long-term chart of Ford. I mean, you know, this isn't like all of a sudden, you know, Ford is struggling and they've been firing on all cylinders, pun intended. 10 years, the stock's gone nowhere. General Motors, same thing. 10 years, the stock's gone nowhere. This economy has been buzzing without them. It doesn't need them. So I'm going to go against that argument. But there is a point here. Higher interest rates are starting to strap the, the consumer on higher ticket purchases and stuff that you need financing for. We've seen it in solar. Cars fall right into that. We've seen a number of other things. Those are the things that the consumer is starting to not be able to afford. Those are the first things that they're getting thrown out. So I'd just be careful with just, you know, labeling, you know, it's everything that's going to fall apart. Big ticket items, though, that need financing are definitely going to start to struggle. Let's bring Tim in on this conversation. Uh, Tim will be here in just a second. Uh, he should be joining us. Let's take a look into Hostess brand. Shares of Hostess brand surged 4.5% in the pre-market following reports that JM Smuckers is near a $5 billion deal to acquire Twinkies maker. Uh, this potential acquisition could reshape the landscape Ooh. of the food industry. What do you guys think about the Smuckers? I was thinking that, man, oh, man, I wonder how much they're smacking Smuckers on this. A little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Down uh, 6.78%. I mean, this was rumored. Yeah, right? that's what the big pop-up was. If you go yep. back a week and a half ago. Yep. And once again, when we talk about these situations, you know, if, you, if you're in it and you buy it off that rumor, then, you know, hold on and wait for something to happen. Uh, even more of a premium uh, that they they put into it. Um, I just I would be hitting Smuckers too because I think if anything, I think people are becoming more health conscious, and I wouldn't like you know like Twinkies and King Dongs and Ho Hos and those kind of things. I I don't know. I think this is a bad purchase for Smuckers, and the street agrees with me. I think so too. I think they're it's an overpay. Um, stock was 22. They're running out of paying. What is the final price, Mitch? Do you have that? I don't have the final price. Uh, let me take a look if, to see if Mitch is going to try to hunt it down. Here. I'll try to hunt it down here too, um, just so we know. Anyways, I'll hunt that down in the background here as you guys go. But you know, sympathy trades. I don't think there's really any sympathy trades with these here. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to grab the price here too. Thirty-four point two five. So $34.25 implying is, in, is that a stock is what is I forget what you said. It was a stock deal or a stock. In yeah. Cash? It's, it's gotta be cash. Cause they would be hitting it's it. Cash. It was, yeah. It's cash. Yeah. It's they all cash. It. All right. Let me just really look into, yeah. Enterprise value. It's $34 and 25 cents per share in cash and stock transaction. Oh, there so is a little bit of a mix. So there a is some bit, stock. Yeah. There. What's the ratio? Do we have that ratio? I don't have the ratio. Yeah. That's okay. We'll get that for you because you risk arb traders, and obviously I'm one of them. We'll want that ratio there. So we'll try to hunt that ratio down for you before the end of the show here. All right, let's get Actually, to I our got it right now. Oh my gosh, it's nothing. So it's thirty dollars in cash, and it's point zero three zero zero two shares of SJ Smucker. So if you're trying to trade that, you got to do it three basically. Very 3, small. Yeah. Yeah. Three three percent only. So you know, three percent of it was stock deal. So it's very small. I'll tell you what we need on a Monday like this. We need some market structure Monday action. Let's get to it. All right. Tim Quas, founder, CEO of Market Structure <laughs> Edge, joining us here on pre-market prep. Tim, you got like a big old smile on your face today. What's going on there? Well, things are looking up. Uh, at least that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, so, and I don't mind sharing this. The, you know, the the reason I have been out some is my wife had a terrible cycling accident. And I mean, it was life-threatening. Uh, but she's getting better. And so oh, it, the, my mood, you know, will vary accordingly. You can tell that I've aged 10 years and I've gotten fat uh, because, you know, all I've been doing is eating and drinking. Uh, so uh, I'll have to I'll have to have stop wasting away in Margaritaville and say instead, come Monday, everything will be all right. <clears throat> little okay. uh, a little nod of the nod of the head to that great philosopher. Rest rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, correct. Yes. 
All right, everyone. Tim, likes that's fantastic to news. We obviously you had reached out to us a few weeks ago to let us know. Yeah. We didn't know if we were supposed to say anything on the show, so we kept exactly. it private, obviously. That. Um, but yep. you know, we 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 you know, obviously we it's fantastic news that your wife is getting better. Wish her all well for us Thank here. You. Um obviously chats with you here now too. So she's doing much better, which is awesome news here, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, that she is my whole world. So if I yeah. It's very difficult for me to keep it together when she's not all right. She's getting, she's yeah. going to be fine. So, Stocks can uh, always right. wait in those situations. Yeah. So uh, right. I, I right. appreciate you always bringing the perspective, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I cleaned I myself up. You know, I've got a haircut. I'm, you know, I'm wearing pants. So, you know, things are, <laughs> things are improving. <laughs> Unlike Adam Aaron. Uh, let's, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about short interest and short squeezes and short volume and past year, actually, really, since COVID, since we had those uh, short squeezes. If you're if you're looking at the short volume, let's go a little bit longer perspective yeah. over the past year in the yeah. S&P 500 index. What's it saying about stocks now? Well, let me let me uh, thank you for asking that question, Joel. Let me. Uh... <laughs> Let me share my screen and I will, I will, I'll tell you how I think about this, which, you know, I'm not saying it's correct, but it does reflect the way that the market works. And, and uh, as, as the uh, edge mob knows, and the pre-market prep audience here for Market Structure Monday knows, we put a lot of focus on short volume, not short interest. And uh, just to distinguish between them, short interest is a 1974 measure. I'm not saying there's not some merit to it. Uh, but it it pre it predates everything that the market reflects today. I mean, there was nothing electronic until 1986 when the when the Cincinnati Stock Exchange became the first all electronic market. Uh, and so, and then you know, you add in all the things that have occurred since 1974. So, short volume is the data set associated with the modified uptick rule implemented in 2010. And it's overseen by FINRA, but it's a great way to think about the supply chain of the stock market. We track it pretty closely, you know, is it, it and what's the trend in it and how does it rise and fall and how does that affect the market? And, and here's how to how to think about it. So I have gone back a year. So, in fact, it, it, just a little bit more than that across this this uh, chart. But I'll, I'll tell you what this is is showing us. I'll zoom it in as much as I possibly Please. can here for us. Uh, so this is this is the SPY. The gray part of the graph is the price of SPY. So you know it's we've it's gone up from uh, you know 3.92 to whatever it was uh, on Friday. 445. Yeah, yeah called 445. Uh, this is our algorithm called demand market structure sentiment. It's a 10 point algorithm metering buying and selling. And uh, it's a pretty effective way to understand short-term highs and highs and lows in the market. There are a variety of ways. This is a pretty effective way. And here is short volume. And look at this. The trend line has continued to run up for the whole year, and it's over 50% right now. It's 51% of all trading volume in the S&P 500 stocks is short or borrowed or created by market makers. Uh, and so what could you generally conclude? Well, you could generally conclude that there is a short bias. When it drops, you can see right in here, this period of time, uh, it was well below trend. And what did the market do? It ran up. As it returns to trend and moves a little higher, the market struggles. And you could go back in time and see the same thing was true here. So back at the banking crisis, short volume hit, it was 52% of the market. And this is where the market bottomed. As it came down, the market rose. Come back over here to uh, where, where we had the, you know, the, the low for the market was in October of last year. I forget exactly where we were, but let's call it you know, 3,600 3, on the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the S&P 500 or SPY 362, 363. Uh, and look at short volume. Right before that, it was extremely high. Then demand bottomed and, and the supply came down and the market rose. It's a very good indicator. And so if we looked at it now, what would you expect? Well, there's something interesting about it here that is different from those periods of time. 
Demand is actually very near, near a market top. That red line for us is a very good indicator of a short-term top for stocks. Statistically, it's very reliable. So the, the, the rate of return when the, the demand meter hits that red line is 0%. I mean, if you add up all the days over that, this period of time that the market it rises when, it, when the demand level rises over that red line, it's zero. It, it may take a little while, but the, it's a great indication of, of uh, a short-term top. And then generally, supply will fall as demand rises, and then when demand falls, supply rises. And it's kind of the opposite here. So mm, this is interesting, is, Tim. Uh, of what, course, yeah. uh, with with options expiring this week and, and next, and of course, a, a large S&P right. quarterly index rebalance, and you're exactly. starting to see a little bit of some toppings showing up, at least in the data. How would you be looking into going into this week and next? Yeah, so let's do this. I'm going to I'm going to uh, show you this calendar. So here's the expirations calendar and traders. Mm -hmm. This is a good thing to know. You could go to the Options Clearing Corp and look up the expirations uh, calendar. You could get it from Edge. Just go look under resources and you'll, you'll see the one that we use at the, at the corporate business called Modern IR. But here's September. So this is what Mitch is referring to. That Okay, so you have demand peaking, supply at 51%. That tells us that people have a short bias. They're, if you're a global macro hedge fund, you are more short than long in all probability. And all of these instruments are going to reset starting Thursday with AM dated index options expirations, uh, triple witching on Friday, plus quarterly index rebalances for the S&P 500 and a host of others, including the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ runs over 100,000 indices. Uh, the, then on the 20th are VIX expirations. And the period between is a great arbitrage straddle between one instrument and another. And so all of this is occurring as supply rises and demand peaks. I don't know what's going to happen. What we do is look at that data to understand what's likely to occur. So if demand falls and supply continues to rise, we're going to have problems because it's already at 51%. Now, maybe it reverses. But this is the great way to get a, an immediate read on what big institutions that have a great deal of risk management data and information are doing. And so we're going to look at that and say, well, how does their posture change? Are they more short or less short? Are they committing more money to equities or less? Now, generally, if the market demand peaks into expirations, the market has a propensity to decline on the other side. I'm not saying that's going to happen. It's just a central tendency. So, Mitch, that's a long-winded way of saying we'll see, but we'll know what data to look at to draw good conclusions. And this is setting up with some seasonal ten, uh, uh, tendencies, right? Because you have the quad witch and uh, and market structure edge, and then uh, I don't know how many people you know follow the Sal Rosh Hashanah by Yom Kippur here, but uh, <laughs> we get a we get a couple more days of rallying like this uh, with the holiday. Uh, coming up over the weekend. I mean, that could be an, uh, an interesting setup as well. Uh, just as far could as be. momentum, right? Are we are are you looking? Is we are are we in the momo mode or low volatility mode for now? It's absolutely a split, and I wouldn't call either of them great. Here's the uh, interesting thing: you backed up about five days. There were 36 in low volatility. And that suggests to me, as we began the fall season, it's not fall on the calendar, but on Wall Street it is, right? You start, the, when you trade after um, Labor Day, it is fall trading. And I look at that and say there is, a, there is an increasing concentration of money in low volatility. It's done that there are only 13 in here led by consumer staples. Look at what behavior is leading. In fact, passive money is leading every single category. All sectors. What does that mean? Everything. It means that the market is absolutely dominated by asset allocation, money put being put into things because they're products, not stories. Now that's the opposite of you know you watch CNBC all day and it's all about the stories. Well, it's not the way that the stock market works. 
BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street are dominating the market. Momentum's got almost the same number. Tech leads, passive money is the principal force again. So that would be like the world quants of the world, the, the, the quantitative hedge funds. That's, you know, passive money is, is indexes, ETFs, and quants. And, and quantitative money has become enormous. If you look at it, in fact, I can go here to this, the Benzinga September 11 portfolio. I would, if, look, if there's enough, if there are double digits in momentum, I'll trade momentum it, because you get a better, you have a better chance for returns. And so it, looking at this group, here's some ideas for you. You know, things that have great supply demand divergence. That's what you're looking for. You know, there's the, it's, it's a basic economic principle. If there is more demand than supply, prices yeah. rise and vice versa. So Nutanix, Dell, Roblox, GitLab, Trade Desk, these are all things that you could trade. Let me get out of that and go back here. Uh, so so uh, there's the idea. I just accidentally closed the platform. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but no uh, it's not great. You know, 11 isn't great. It's uh, it, There's a cautionary tale here. You know, if if broad sentiment at five nine, I am beginning to think about either removing my money from the market or shorting it. You get to six and it begins to decline. Mm. I will short the market. So, so right now you're thinking this recent rally that we've had over the course of the last week, which is kind of feels like a snapback rally almost. Right. You think this might fail? I do. I, you know, again, I can't predict it. Obviously, no, my predictive skills are not great. In fact, I was wrong. Two weeks ago, I said, well, it's possible NVIDIA will get back to 500. Uh, it got to 499.27 <laughs> on, on the August 3rd, 30th. So, so I was wrong. Uh, so I can't, I will qualify and say I'm not predicting it, but there are a lot of things here that make me cautious. Short volume at 51%, options expiring. Broad sentiment at five nine and maybe peaking there, which would be a very weak top. Weak tops tend to precede drops. Not a lot of choices in low volatility. Not a lot of choices in momentum. Look at how many there are in my seventy five percent short portfolio. Just 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 uh, a, a week ago, there were fifty six in it. It's doubled. So. All of these things are cautionary notes for me. I wouldn't be plowing a bunch of money like I did. I mean, a week ago, I. Everything I had in my trading account was in the market because the, the signals all pointed that way. Now they're beginning to deteriorate. Well, keep an eye on it, team. Uh, we're yeah, definitely going to keep. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I just had one more question. Sorry, I should read. I, Mitch always asked me. I got to read the Skype chat because he says Rafa, and then I just <laughs> butt in, and I'm like, I wing everything. I just butt in. I wanted to ask Tim one more question, but I'm like, when you go to the sidelines, Tim, this is one general yeah. question here. Do you just throw a park in treasuries for the week? Like, what do you do when you go to the sidelines? Because, you know, or do you just yeah. sit it like and just ready to come back in? I'm just wondering, like, obviously, you know, I move money in and out of the markets yep. as well here. Do you go to defensive names? Do you go to different stocks? What do you do when you go to the sidelines? Well, right now I sit in cash. I mean, in my interactive brokers uh, trading account, I'm, I can earn 4.8% on nice idle cash. Thing, I, I mean, why not? It's very liquid. Uh, it, it's, uh, there's no better alternative than that. So maybe half cash, half short. That's what I'll do when the, the conditions indicate it. All right, let's wrap it up here. Like always, we'll see what happens. You guys can keep up with market structure edge. And of course, the data will tell us all, right? That's what Tim's always pointing to. We'll see what happens, guys. Keep up with Tim Quas. And definitely, it's good to hear that things are doing better for you, Tim. And I'll tell you, I, I think everybody can agree. It's a lot better to see you smiling today. So. I, pre I appreciate that, guys. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks, definitely. Tim. Have a good one, Tim. All right, let's get back to the market. How are we looking, Joel? We leaking Slow, here. We holding no, in. Oh man, slow roll north here. Uh, really started the momentum. Really started on that uh, that six p.m. open, a little bit higher open, dip just a little bit under the close. Now we're kind of just moseying up in the forty-five thirty handle. I don't have anything until uh, an interday high from last week, Wednesday's uh, interday high at. Uh, 43.50, but uh, nice move overnight to see if the Bulls uh, could keep it going in the regular session. That they wanted to talk RTX, Mitch. Um, yep, in the chat. I saw that. And, and it's yep. a major head. So they got an update. Obviously, the Boeing issues here have been weighing on the stock. 
um, on these recalls. There is an update here. I know I'm kind of throwing you under the bus here because we don't have time to research what is actually in the update, but there was an update with some guidance released just a little while ago. Um, I'm just in the pro here right now. RTX is take a $3 billion charge, cutting its sales outlook as a result of the powder metal condition. So $3 billion is what they're doing so far. Some people are speculating it might be even worse than that. Um, they're expecting, Mm -hmm. just reading again from the pro RTX executive expects reported sales to be lower by about 5.5 billion in 2023. That is why the stock is getting hit here this morning. This problem has not gone away. That's interesting. On the low of the move here, on the low of the move on that drop down day when we were like looking for a reason, like what's the reason, what's the reason? That was 81.36 on that day. Um, I guess you could call that resistance now, right? That's a buck away. That was a former low of the move. <clears throat> I see some other daily lows at 80 here, but man, you know, until you get some clarity on this, it's uh, it's hard to be long. The stock never even came close to filling that gap uh, from that big day, that big down day down in July, a little bit of a relief pop, but back making a new low for the move. RTX. I mean, it's like the Johnson and Johnson talc issue. It's like the 3M earplug yeah. issue. It's like the RTX one thing I wanted now. to point to yeah. um, is is Lockheed Martin's just got smacked right from their F35 issues. Um, so it's not like defensive names are doing the best right now. So no, they're not. Um, I don't think this is going to help it at all, right? You see, in Lockheed Martin yeah. already down there to 423, big break after. Uh, Last week, their outlook for the F-35 got pushed back. Um, so it's not looking as good there. Doesn't look as good in the industrial sector as it was. You, you know what I'm concerned about here, too, again, is higher interest rates on all of these companies as well. Because a lot of, obviously, government spending goes into all of these companies. I mean, Lockheed Martin, probably the majority coming from government. The government's trying to finance the debt, which we know the deficit of whatever the hell it is, $32 trillion or whatever it is, and interest rates going up on it. There could be a little bit less spending. And I think you're starting to see that with some of these defense contractors here. Lockheed Martin obviously getting hit. Another one I had in my long-term portfolio for a long time. I sold out of recently up at 210 was L3 Harris, LHX. That's sitting at a 52-week low here. This whole sector. So it's not just the RTX is having problems like on their own. And the, the sector, to your point, Mitch, here, is in trouble as well. NOC is breaking down to a new 52-week low. All of them low. are. General all Dynamics are. is holding up better. But I, I think what we're starting to see is separation here, where interest rates are starting to affect certain stocks. The ones that have obviously, you know, higher, you know, government funding where interest rates might be an issue that they're not going to have as much money to spend. You know, we know the consumer is strapped. So we know solar and we were talking the automotive already here today. Higher ticket purchases may be put on hold. I think you're starting to see this play out here in some stocks. And maybe it just took a long time for the markets to, you know, sit here. And we were obviously the market was very hopeful that interest rates are going to go up. And they were going to come right back down. But now we're looking at the situation where they went up, but they may just not come down quickly. And now you start seeing separation here. A lot of your technology companies, debt-free. That's another reason to own tech. I mean, that's, you know, Apple has some debt, but we know they've got a lot of cash too. That maybe some of that portion they could pay off if it starts to get too crazy. Um, but, you know, that's another reason why tech is outperforming is because interest rates here staying up for the foreseeable future. They don't have to finance as much. Doesn't say much about the war trade, though. I mean, if you look at some of these stocks, the people that have been clamoring for, you know, the the war trade with uh, the Ukraine and the potential invasion of Taiwan. I mean, these charts are are telling you, uh, no, you know, not no invasion. But yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not. They're not flocking to those stocks uh, right now. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show here, and uh, we are trading at the highs of the pre-market session. Uh, we're at 45.35. As I said, no real resistance up for another eight handles. So uh, that's going to put a wrap on this Monday. It's a nice pop. Just to sum up, it's a nice pop here. I'm with Tim. I think I'm ringing the register still into this pop. I'm not a big believer that it's going to be easy sledding. We had a big sell-off next week. We start coming into resistance on 5450. We sold off you know, the last few days, and then we snapped back here. I think the Apple event, is going to, again, what we often see is it runs up into the event and then shows weakness afterwards. So if we're just playing the quantitative perspective of how you play these events, it's long ahead 
and then short after. And I mean, so we go to Tuesday afternoon, look out for the market. Like, you know, if Apple doesn't come out and light it all on fire, and they maybe they do, maybe they come out and they come out with something that we didn't expect. But I mean, we get new colors, a little more memory, a better phone, a better camera. I mean, this is nothing mine, you know, or groundbreaking here, mind numbing. So I do think this Apple recent rally is it could end up being sold eventually. All right, that's going to wrap it here on pre-market prep. Of course, we'll come up to live trading. That's coming up next. We'll see if we can stay into the green this week. And who will we have on tomorrow, Joel? Tom on tomorrow's show, uh, we're going to lighten things up. Uh, I tracked down Bill Santiago. Uh, everyone knows <laughs> ready, Gosh, Bill, nice. We'll get a comical outlook on the markets before we get some inflation data on Wednesday and Thursday, quad which on Friday. Thanks for joining us. All right. That's going to do it for us. Check us out up next.